0: Share more about uh, the last couple of days, what the Lord's been dealing with me about. But let's look at 1 John 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Everybody say, of the world. Everybody say, of the world. Of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lusts thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world passes away, and the lusts thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I also want to read John chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. Now, you're very familiar with the 32nd verse of this chapter, uh, but the thirty. Uh, first verse says now is the judgment of this world now shall the prince of this world be cast out everybody say now so he's fixing to do something the judgment of this world and the prince of the world is going to be cast out and verse 32 and i if i be lifted up from the earth will draw all men unto me how many believe that tonight let's pray together lord thank you for your word I thank you, Lord, for speaking to me today, Lord, and I pray you would touch us, Lord, as a people of God. Move in us, touch us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, let your spirit move in a mighty way in this service. Speak to us, God, as your people in Jesus' name. Anoint me, Lord, as a minister of your word in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. In the name of the Lord. I'm not sure. Of course, we've got a lot of things going on, revival and special services, but I feel very compelled of the Holy Ghost uh, to speak uh, concerning this subject. Uh, I don't know exactly what I'll title all of it, but it's dealing with the subject of worldliness. Everybody say worldliness. Everybody say worldliness. Worldliness. I believe that we would be surprised at how easily and subtly worldliness can slip into our midst as a people. Uh, I believe it would probably surprise you if the Holy Ghost began to try uh, to deal with your mind about the ways the kingdoms of this world have set up residence in your mind and affect your thinking. You're bombarded with the culture of worldliness every day. Uh, If you're on social media or you listen to news or you're on the internet or you're in gaming systems, uh, you are bombarded with the culture of worldliness day and night. Somebody say amen. amen. I don't believe the church is called to worldliness. In fact, I believe the scripture emphatically declares that we are to come out from this world and be separate. I believe that. Somebody say amen. I believe God wants a holy people, a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, or any such thing. I believe that. Somebody say amen. And so Jesus makes a statement here in John chapter 12, verse 31. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Everybody say now. And then he goes on to state, and now shall the prince of this world be cast out. He mentions two things that are going to happen now. Everybody say now. And I did not mean right now, that means John 12, 31, when he was speaking, he was saying something is now going to happen, and it is the judgment of this world, and the prince of this world will be cast out. And then he lets you to know when that now is. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth... I will draw all men unto me. We recognize that that is not speaking about you praising the Lord. And, and people leading a service would like to quote John twelve thirty two in regard to people lifting up the Lord. Well, let's lift him up in praise because he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw men." in. He's talking about Calvary. That's the lifting up that he is speaking of. He said, "If I and I if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me." So, we are safe to say according to John 12:31 and 32 that when Jesus was lifted up from the earth, crucified on the cross, that something now happened. It was the judgment of this world and the prince of this world was cast out. That happened at Calvary. We find in Revelation a further description of it. I preached about it. We find where John sees a detailed account of how Satan was run out of heaven or cast out and his place was not found any longer in heaven. So the prince of this world was cast out. And there was judgment rendered upon this world. Somebody say amen. Amen. So I want to focus, uh, as long as the Lord uh, allows me to, I want to focus our attention on what it means to the church uh, to come out from this world, to be separate from the world, to not uh, engage in worldliness or worldly things. Somebody say amen. So this is the key point or the, the, the high point, the, the really key point of Jesus' ministry. He has entered triumphantly into Jerusalem and he begins to speak in veiled terms about his death and about his crucifixion and laying down his life. Of course, they're not ready to hear that, but he lays down this two-fold statement that Uh, We find in uh, the Gospels that most did not understand what he was saying. We uh, here in 2017 can understand now what he meant, but those standing there that day possibly missed what Jesus was saying. It was a forecast of what would actually happen at his death. The world would be judged and the prince of this world would be cast out. Everybody say, that's already been done. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, that's already been done. Amen. How many believe that? Well, that's exciting to you, isn't it? There's a, a phrase in uh, verse 32 that says, and I. Everybody say, and I. and I. This stands in complete contrast to what Jesus has been referring to. He's been referring to the world and the prince of this world the world, and Satan. But then he says, and I. He wants you to know that he's making a distinction here. That the prince of this world and the world is about to be judged, but he is going to be lifted up, and in the place of unrighteousness there would come a new reign of righteousness. (laughs) That men would be drawn from a world of turmoil to the prince of peace. He led us to know who that is. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So the work of Jesus Christ was to draw men from this world under the judgment of this world and from the control of the prince of this world to that one I in John 12 that is none other than Jesus Christ, the son of man. Somebody say amen. I'm glad I know him tonight. And in fact, he went on to say, if I be lifted up from the earth. Everybody say the earth. earth. Everybody say the earth. earth. So the earth is the scene of the crisis. The world is the point of the collision. And so I want to focus on that for just a moment tonight. Jesus said the world is going to be judged and the prince of this world will be cast out. That word in the Greek is cosmos. Everybody say cosmos. That's not too uh, hard for us to understand. We're probably familiar with that word. The English version has translated the world. But there's a ri- wide range of meanings for the word cosmos. In its original uh, classic, if you could call it that, Greek uh, uh, definition, it implies two things. It implies the harmonious order or arrangement, and it also means the adornment or the embellishment. Now, when you study in the New Testament, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to quote a lot of Scripture here for just a minute, but when we look at the New Testament writers, they use cosmos in a number of different ways. In fact, if you study it in particular, they use it in three ways, they categorize it in three ways. The first way, the New Testament writers use the term cosmos, which means the world. Everybody say the world. Now, don't forget where we started. The world is judged, and the prince of this world is cast out. So we need to find out what the world is that was judged at Calvary. And so the first use of the word is the material universe or the round world, the earth. If you want to call it, and in Acts chapter seventeen verse twenty-four, it's used in this way: God, the God that made the world and all things therein. In Matthew thirteen thirty-five, the word cosmos is used to represent the round world, the physical world. And in Matthew thirteen thirty-five, it states that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, "I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things which had been kept secret from the foundation of the world." He's talking about the material earth. John 1 and 10, he uses it in this way as well. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. That's the physical world. Mark chapter 16 verse 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that word cosmos means material earth. It's what we reside on right now. But the apostles and the New Testament writers not only used it to mean the earth on which we live. It also means the inhabitants of this earth. When they use the term cosmos, there are a number of scriptures that don't mean the physical earth. It means those that dwell on the earth. So John 3.16 is a good example of that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's not talking about the physical world. He's talking about the people that live on the world. Everybody with me? Stay with me John 12 verse 19 Just a few verses ahead of what I read tonight The Pharisees therefore said among themselves Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing Behold the whole world is gone after him Talking about Jesus They're talking about the inhabitants of the world In their mind everybody was running after Jesus In John seventeen twenty one, Cosmos is used to represent people That they all may be one As thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sinned. He's not talking about the earth because the physical earth can't believe. He's talking about the people of the earth. Everybody okay? All right. So cosmos means the physical earth and also the people of the earth, the whole race of man. Hebrews 11, 38, of whom the world was not worthy. He's not talking about the physical earth. He's talking about the people of the earth. And in Hebrews 11, it talks about people of faith and the people of this world were not worthy of those people of faith. John 14, verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. He's talking about the people of this world. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. You need to understand that the people of this world cannot give you peace. Your job cannot give you peace. Your friends cannot give you peace. Only Jesus can give you peace. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. He's talking about the people of the world. So we find cosmos means the literal earth and it means the people. In John 15, 18, he's using this to mean people. And he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hateth me before it hated you. He's not talking about the physical earth. He's talking about worldly people. They hate you because they hated me. But the third way world is used is to establish the fact that not only is he talking about the physical world and not only the people of the world, but the definition reads this way. Cosmos, worldly affairs. And it goes on to state, the whole circle of worldly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, which though hollow and fleeting stir our desire and seduce us from God so that they are obst- obstacles to the cause of Of Jesus Christ. That's not talking about the physical earth. Or the people of this earth. It's saying the word cosmos. Is also used to represent. Worldly affairs. And that's what First John 2 and 15. Is talking about. When it says love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world. The love of the father is not in him. What John is saying is that worldly affairs can become an obstacle to the cause of Jesus Christ in your life. Worldliness can cause the lamp to go dim in your heart. Somebody say amen. A love affair with this world will cause the love of God to grow dim in your life. Because if you love worldly affairs, the love of the Father is not in you. We cannot love worldliness and love God at the same time. We cannot accept worldliness or its of a culture in any fashion and declare that we love God. Somebody say amen. Well, I'm a preacher who likes to make it plain Sometimes I make it too plain. (laughs) But the Bible tells me there are people going to be offended at the word. So don't be offended at me. Don't shoot the mailman. (laughs) I'm just going to drop an envelope in your mailbox. I don't care what the world says about uh, marital issues. I believe God has something to say about marriage. I don't care what the world says is normal sexuality. I believe the Bible says something about what normal sexuality is. I don't care what the world says in terms of my life means I'm a success. I believe the Bible has a definition of success. I don't care what the world says about education. I want to make sure I'm lining up with what the Word of God says about education. I don't care what the world says is acceptable art in referring to music or television shows or creativity. I believe the Bible has something to say about the music I listen to and about what I watch and about what I read. Come on. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Uh oh. Uh oh. Love not the world. This is not people and this is not the physical world. And we'll get to that. In fact, 1st John 3, 17 going on. But whosoever hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God? And this this tells us that worldly goods can be used to help people. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Uh, Matthew sixteen twenty six. for what is a man profited if he gained the whole world now that's not talking about the physical world you can't gain the whole world but if you gain worldly goods and lose your own soul what shall it profit a man if you gain the entire world and lose your soul. First uh, Corinthians 7.31 says, And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. Did you hear that? That word fashion means exactly what you think it means. You don't need the Greek definition to figure it out. It's talking about the clothing or the fashions of this world. They pass away. I mean, know that to be true. Man, just hold on to those clothes for a while. They're coming back. Somebody say amen. I'm so tired of skinny jeans, I can't wait till the bell bottoms get back. Can I get an amen? And the world says this is the way a man needs to dress. I'm going to say, well, anyway, I'm going to say a lot in the next few times I preach about worldliness. When you study this issue of these guys wearing these skinny jeans and we're not, and we get, we got, we got to be real careful folks because if we're not, if we're not careful, we'll start swallowing worldliness into the church and think it's okay. Is everybody okay? Okay. You study the origin of these, of, of the, the my wife, I didn't study it, but Cheryl studied. She started reading. We're on a trip and she starts reading. She said, you know, the guy that came up with the, the skinny jean uh, style was a homosexual and he wanted young men to look like girls. He wanted young men to be physically attractive, and so he designed skinny drink jeans to be form-fitting on men because he was had homosexual lifestyle, and he, that was the that was the origin from which this uh, style came out. Now, now, listen, folks. The Bible says that nakedness is the uncovering of the thigh. You find it the Lord said I don't want you walking up to this altar and uncovering your thigh he said don't show me your nakedness he said I want you to have a robe on so that you don't show your nakedness to anybody in God's eyes nakedness is uncovering your thighs now listen I don't care whether you don't have anything on or it's so form fitting that we can see everything you've got you need to quit being worldly if you're in the church Anybody know what I'm saying? This is appropriate. The, the churches, they don't want to mess with this. But Jesus said, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to the cross. And when I do, this world's going to be judged and the prince is going to be cast out. Now, if there's judgment on this world, then I don't want to drag judgment into the house of God. Everybody okay? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, "Wow, he's worked up." Yeah. This not only applies to worldly goods, worldly pleasures, worldly riches. Listen, to this it also applies to abstract things, not physical things, not money, not pleasure, not going golfing. Only First Corinthians two twelve. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Everybody say the spirit of the world. Did you hear that? The world has a spirit. I said the world has a spirit. I don't want a worldly spirit in this church. Thank you pastor for preaching that. I'm going to say it. Thank you pastor for preaching that. I don't know where the rest of you are. You may be messing with the world. But I'm going to say thank you, Pastor, for saying we don't need a spirit of the world in the church. 1 Corinthians 3.19 For the wisdom of this world. Let me say, we don't need the wisdom of this world in this church. I've said things to godly people that come right out of the Word of God and they look like, look at me like they've seen a ghost, like I'm talking some foreign language because this world doesn't support biblical theology. And when you start quoting verses, they look at you like a old mule looking at a new gate, like you've lost your mind. But I'm here to tell you the Bible is right. The Spirit is right. Theology. And I don't care how smart... Help me, Brother Rob. I don't care how smart this world gets. There is the wisdom that is from above. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Yeah. Let me, let me give you a little example of how the wisdom of this world is foolishness. Do you know they are telling elementary grade students that they need to explore their sexuality. Explore your sexuality. Don't hem yourself in to just liking girls or boys. You never know. You may like a cat or a dog. Now I know that sounds really awful to you, but we're coming to that day, my friend. We're at the day where they're fixing to start marrying everything. They got a marriage license. Chelsea called me and said, Dad, they just issued the first marriage license. A man wants to marry a robot. You know what he wants? He wants to marry a robot because the robot will do everything he wants. Now in that marriage, yeah, that's why you get married, isn't it, Rhonda? So you can do everything Jonathan wants. See, the wisdom of this world, they think they're so smart. And they tell third graders, don't him yourself in. You may like boys. You may like girls. Well, I don't know a boy yet that didn't think girls had cooties when they're in the third grade. Can I get a witness in here? I don't know about you, but I thought girls were weird when I was in the third grade. Come on. I didn't... They're having a discussion over in this area about it. My cl- we had a club. We had a club. We had a clubhouse. And you know what was on the door of the club? You're right. See how smart this world is? They're telling them, oh, you know what? You don't like girls. You may not even like girls. Hey, that's foolishness. It's foolishness. I don't care how smart this world gets. Oh, Lord, help me. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. This world thinks they're so crafty. They're going to get God in a corner about issues of sexuality and marriage and holiness and righteousness. And you don't have to do all this stuff. Yeah, they're so crafty, aren't they? Yeah. The Lord says they're foolish. Titus 2 and 12, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lust, worldly lust. See, these are abstract things. We're not talking about worldliness just in physical things, letting something become an idol in your life. Now we're talking about abstract things, lust, wisdom of this world, spirit of this world. You know what? If I was a parent, if I was a parent... And my children were on a route that was taking them to insensitivity to God. In other words, if they used to sit on the front row and worship. Of course, you don't have to sit on the front row. Please, please, okay. We're going to do the disclaimer. Doesn't mean because you're on the back row, you're backslid. But just help me with the analogy. Just understand what I'm saying. In the spirit, they were sitting on the front row in the spirit they were connected you didn't have to beg them to come to the altar but then they start missing church and they don't worship and they don't want to go to church and they don't want to be involved I would examine the road that I was on and if I was if they were excited about going to the movies and they no longer were excited about the altar call I would examine what I'm doing are you hearing me? And if we're not careful, we'll let a spirit of this world get a hold of us. uh, Oh, somebody worship the Lord right now. Lord, help us. Help us. This world is judged. And the prince of this world is cast out. Deny ungodliness and worldly lust. You're not supposed to feed worldly lust. You're supposed to deny it. I don't understand parents. They, oh, pray for my kids. They're getting, they're, they're not as sensitive. Well, you know what? Maybe you ought to, maybe you ought to look at what they're watching. Uh-oh, is right. Thank you. Even got the baby saying, uh-oh. Second Peter 1 and 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding. Great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Everybody say the divine nature. And if you're going to partake of that divine nature, you escape the corruption that is in this world. There's corruption in this world. This world is passing away. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this world is dying. The things of this world are decaying. I'm not talking about the physical earth or the people now. We're talking about the world system. It is dying. And the Lord said, if you partake of this world, there's corruption there. But if you come out of that, you will begin to partake of the divine nature and you will escape the corruption. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to get away from the corruption of this world. 2 Peter 2 and 24, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled and overcome. The latter end is worse. This is the verse my pastor's wife, Sister Bangen, would quote when she would say, you know what? I don't have much patience with a cold Half backslid, born again, child of God. Give me a drug addict. Give me an alcoholic. Give me somebody that knows they need God. (laughs) Because you know what? Somebody that's tasted of the heavenly gift. Somebody that's come out of the pollution of the world. And they return to that. Their end is worse than their beginning. They're harder. There are people I've prayed Lord, what is it going to take? I still hadn't got an answer yet. Tasted of this heavenly gift, and they're entangled again. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. They escape pollution. Everybody say this world has pollution. Uh, we're not talking about stuff the EPA can control. Everybody say pollution. That's right. That means that pollution is something that affects the air. I don't want the pollution of this world getting in this church. I don't want the spirit of this world getting in this church. I don't want the wisdom of this world. We're going to be a Bible-believing church. We're not going to say one thing in this pulpit and something else out there at McDonald's. We're going to believe the Word of God. We're going to stand on the Word of God. We're going to love the Word of God. And the Word says that the world is judged. First John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. It's dying. James 1.27, you want to know what pure religion, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. You want to talk about how religious you are? You know what true religion is? Keeping yourself unspotted from the world. I want to tell you what, there are a lot of sinners of religion in this city tonight, but they're not keeping themselves unspotted. And the Lord said, pure religion is this, to stay unspotted from the world. I don't want to just have a religious system. I know people that say I'm uncomfortable with organized religion. I understand that. But the Bible tells us what pure religion is. And if you think organized religion is trying to tell you what to do and how to live, try this on for size. Jesus said pure religion is not being spotted by the world So that means if this is a place of religion where it is practiced coming from this pulpit ought to be a message that says don't get spotted by this world. So you ought to thank God you've got a pastor and an assistant pastor and Sunday school teachers that will tell your kids don't get too close to this world. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Now I'm going somewhere. I, th- I, think, I think I'm going somewhere. Yeah, I got four pages to get there. But it's real large print. Cosmos, the word cosmos was the favorite word of the Apostle John. In fact, Matthew, Mark, and Luke only used the word cosmos 12 times. John, the apostle John, uses it over a 100 times. It was the focus of his writing. He used the term cosmos over a 100 times. He used it to talk about the material earth. He used it to talk about the people of the earth. And he used it to talk about the things of the earth. They all show us something very significant. And I want to focus on two things as I hurry to a close. There are two things to remember with what I'm sharing with you tonight. The judgment that is on the world. Jesus said, if I, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. The judgment that is coming now that he was speaking about was not to the people of this world. That judgment has not come yet. All men, both small and great, will stand before him someday, but that judgment hasn't come yet. So the people of this earth, when the Bible uses cosmos for people, that judgment hasn't come yet. In fact, the word cosmos in dealing with the physical world, that judgment hasn't come yet because this earth will be devoured by fire. The first judgment was water. The second one is fire. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth or a new world. That's not the judgment Jesus is speaking of. He's talking about when he's crucified. The judgment he's talking about is this world system. The lust, the wisdom, the carnality, the pride, all those things that are of the earth have been judged at Calvary. So there are two things you need to focus on and understand tonight. First of all, since the day of Adam, since Adam opened the door for evil to enter God's creation, the world has shown itself to be hostile to God. You cannot love the world and God at the same time first corinthians one twenty one for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. John 15:18 If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. John 14:17 Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. I want to tell you this, the system of this world is unredeemable. It has already been judged. James 4 verse 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship, that friendship of this world is enmity with God? Whosoever there will, therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You need to hear that tonight. John 18:36, Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight." That ought to take all the fight out of you. John 16:33, "These things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer." Turn to your neighbor and tell them, cheer up. I have overcome the world. 1 John 5 and 4, for whatsoever is born of God. Anybody glad you're born of God? Anybody glad you're born again? Whatever is born again overcomes the world. Whatever's born again overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. The scripture emphatically tells us that God's attitude to this world is uncompromising. He says you cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. If you're a friend of the world, you are an enemy of God. The second thing you need to remember, not only is the world hostile to God since sin entered the world. The second thing I want you to remember, and it's the focus of my closing statements. There is a mind and a power behind the system of this world. There is an organization in this world. Everybody okay? I'm not talking about the Illuminati. There is a power behind the system. John 12, 31, now is the judgment of this world... And now shall the prince of this world be cast out. The Lord identified a worldly system. And who was the head of that worldly system? He said the prince of this world is going to be cast out. We know who the prince of this world is. That's Satan. So Satan is the power behind This world, not the physical earth, which has not been judged yet, and not the people of this earth who have not been judged yet. What was judged is this worldly system. And the Bible says the prince of this world Is the power that is behind the things of this world John 14 verse 30 Hereafter I will not talk much with you For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me I wish that would be said about every young adult in this, work, in this church That they would know the prince of this world is coming after me But he doesn't have anything Thing in me. Sad fact of the matter is, I'm preaching to young people that can remember movie titles. They can quote uh, uh, dialogue from movie lines. They know the plot line. They can sing entire songs, but they have no idea what scripture verse I read at the outset of this sermon. Their minds can grasp everything worldly. But they cannot retain anything spiritually. You need to understand what Jesus is saying here. He said the prince of this world is coming. But he has nothing in me. I want to tell you that's why I want to read my Bible. That's why I want to pray. That's why I want to come to church. Because I want everything of the world to move out of me. I don't want any of it. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. Ephesians 6, 12. Don't want you to ever forget this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Don't you ever forget that, church. Am I okay? Look right here. Turn to your neighbor and tell them we're not wrestling flesh and blood. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, our problem's not with people. No, I don't care what's going on. I don't care how mad or bitter or upset people get. The fight's not with people. There is something behind. There's something behind the struggle. If we are wrestling, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. But we are wrestling against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Don't you ever forget it. This world is judged. There's a sentence of death being cast upon it. And the prince of this world has been cast out. But we are wrestling against the darkness of this world. We're wrestling against the rulers of the darkness. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Amen. I, I loved to play sports when I was a lot younger. I probably loved it too much. I want to tell you the kind of teammate I was. If you didn't care who won or lost, you go sit on the bench. If you're going to get out there and mess around and play and act, you know, foolish, go act foolish out in the in the yard. Ain't no sense to strap it on and say let's play if you're not going to give it your best. Now if you give it your best and we don't make it, that's okay. But if you want to mess around, go get your little party hat and a little tweet and blow that and and have fun. We're not having fun. We're we're playing this thing for keeps. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm being honest with you. I want to tell you, that attitude has translated over into the kingdom in which I'm a part of right now. You know how I feel right now standing in this pulpit? I wish to God there'd be some adults and some young adults and some young people and some saints of God that would say we are fighting against the power behind this world. You're not hearing me, but I'm going to say on. Some of you are wondering why you're struggling so much and I don't ever see you at prayer meeting and I don't ever see you in the altar. I'm talking to you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I was wondering who he was talking to. He's talking to me. Tell him, he's talking to me. Yeah, I am. I'm talking to you. If you know, keep it up there, Sister Cheyenne, Ephesians 6, 12. If you know, anybody know that verse right there? You can probably quote it without it being up there. How many know we are battling the rulers of darkness? How many know that? Raise your hand. If you know that that scripture is true, we are battling the rulers. Then I want to know, are you going to play this game for keeps or are you going to mess around? This is is a fight to the finish. We're We're not playing basketball or badminton or volleyball or dodgeball or any of that other ball. We're playing for keeps here. We're battling rulers of this world. I'd like to challenge you to check out your entertainment time. How much time you're entertaining yourself and how much time you're being spiritual. I'd like for you to ask yourself some important questions. That if there's lust of this world and wisdom of this world and spirit of this world, pollution of this world, how much of that am I eating on and then coming to church saying I want to be saved and want to meet God and want to be holy. And I have no diet of his word. I haven't made any spiritual investment in this service. I've laughed my way through half this sermon. Yeah. We're battling the rulers of, of this world. Am I Okay. This world has already been judged. The prince of this world has been cast out. About okay? You know what that means, don't you? That means he's the prince of this world, but the world that he has in his possession is dying. Right? The world passes away. You remember that? Remember you turning to your neighbor and saying the world is dying? He's the prince of a dying world but he's got you enamored with how special it is and how cool it is and how wise it is and how bright and shiny it is. Oh, it's fun being in the world. It's a dying system. Okay. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord just for a minute. Lord, help us right now. Speak to us. Help me, God, as pastor of these good people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is that what you want? Do you want this world? Remember we used to sing that old song, take this whole world, but... I don't know if it was a a vision or a dream last night, I'm not sure, but somewhere... In the early morning hours. I've studied the book of Revelation. I've, I've, I've poured over those pages. I, I've examined it. I've, I've even read it backwards. <laughs> but all of a sudden in my dream last night, every verse that talks about those seven trumpets, every one of those verses lined up one after another. And I was looking at them just like a Bible. And I was looking at those verses. And all of a sudden, they all lined up in the first trumpet and the second trumpet and the third trumpet and the fourth trumpet. And they were in this sequential order, which they're not in Scripture. They're not right back-to-back verse. But all of a sudden, they just all come together. And I'm reading them. All of a sudden, the word trumpet just lifted up off the page. First trumpet, second trumpet. All those seven trumpets just lifted up off the page. And all of a sudden, they became one word. And it was trumpet. And I awakened in my spirit. It's like the spirit was saying, a trumpet is about to sound. Now... I don't know which trumpet it is. You say, Some say we're, we've already experienced the fifth trumpet. The sixth trumpet is, is, a, is a war that's going to be very destructive. And my with the things that are going on in our world today, I don't know if we're too far from that anyway. And I know what the seventh trumpet is. I know what that last trumpet is. We're all getting out of here at that last trumpet. I, I know what trumpet that is. So I felt compelled in the spirit to come to this pulpit tonight and say, I don't know which trumpet's about to sound, but I know a trumpet's about to blow. I want to be ready for whatever the Lord is announcing in this world. And so I'm preaching the saints of God and carnal young adults who better wake up in this hour. We are battling against the spirit of this world. I gotta say to you saints of God I love all of you I'll battle hell for you I'll fight spirits for you but I wanna tell you we're fixing to enter a time of revival but I know that what needs reviving is some of you saints of God it's been a long time since the Holy Ghost got a hold of you your job's more important You say, oh, no, Brother Gene. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. You know why? Because when something's not going right, you let that affect your worship. Don't tell me you don't love that more than you love God. Because if you didn't, it wouldn't be a blip on the radar. Brother Gene, I got demoted today. I got fired today. (laughs) But you know what? The Lord's good. See, if your job's more important than God, you go into reclusion. You don't know if you want to serve. You see, the world is more important to you. Lord, get all the world out of us. There's another old song that goes like this. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. You know what happens when you do that? And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Some of you think it's so bright and beautiful. Oh, it's fun. We're having a ball. Yeah. You're feeding on a dead system. Now is the judgment of this world come. Let me give an example. Of what I'm preaching tonight. 1 Peter 3. Verse 3. You're going to think. Well this is weird. No. 1 Peter 3. Verse 3. Thank you Shia. And she's had a struggle tonight. Because I've been all over the map. 1 Peter 3. Verse 3. It's alright. We'll wait. It's too good to go past it. We'll just wait for it. Turn it up. Who's adorning? He's talking to women. Everybody say women. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. Keep going. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the adornment of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Look at that. Who's adorning, don't let it be an outward adorning of wearing of jewelry and putting on one passage. It talks about shamefacedness and sobriety. Do you know the word adorning in this verse? Who's adorning, let it be not with outward adorning. That word is cosmos. Peter is using the same word for worldly system or organization. Now you may or may not be ready to accept Peter's evaluation. But here is what he's applying. He is saying that in the back implying. Here is what he's implying. That in the background behind this dressing up and wearing gold and painting it on and doing all of that. There's a power at work behind that. He said, don't let that power get a hold of you. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? There may be nothing intrinsically wrong with gold or color or clothes or any of those other things. But Peter wants us to understand what we are touching when we get enamored with this stuff. And he says, you are touching a system. You are getting a hold of something that may not be intrinsically wrong, but you are getting a hold of a power behind that. There's something behind that that wants you eaten up with vanity. Am I okay? Man, I've closed once already. Let me close for good. In creation, the scripture states that God created the heavens and the what? Notice it does not state he created the world. It says heaven and the earth. And every time before the fall of man, what we know of the world is mentioned as earth. Everybody say earth. In fact, we find emphatically... We find this before the fall, it was earth. After the fall, it was world. And that's the world in which we live. There was a power behind it. Satan, and I don't have time to go into it, but Satan introduced to this earth an organization of destruction and darkness and the earth became the world. And it was earth, then it became world. But notice, when Jesus comes back, the world After the world, there will be a kingdom. Just as the world belongs to Satan, the kingdom belongs to Jesus. And it is this kingdom that displaces the world. Make no mistake about it. This world that you're enamored with, this world that you're entertained by, this world that has you distracted, it's going to be replaced by kingdom. Oh, well, let me read it to you. You don't believe that? Daniel 2, verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone devil don't want me finishing this sermon does he (laughs) well i think it was just the battery it wasn't the devil Far as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, and the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain. And the dream is certain. And the dream is certain. And it will come to pass. I know what that stone is that was cut out of the mountain. That stone is Jesus Christ. Uh. Revelation 15. And the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and forever. I don't know about you, but I made up my mind. I want to be a part of that kingdom. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I don't care what this world thinks or what they do. I want to be a part of that kingdom. Come on, stand up all over this room. Come on, praise the Lord and lift up your voice. Come on, give the Lord praise. Lord, don't let a spirit of worldliness get a hold of me. Don't let the lust of this world get a hold of me. Oh, come on, let's praise the Lord right now. Lord, I want to be a part of that kingdom. I want you to reach over and pray for somebody beside you right now, Lord. Touch each one of us. Oh, God, touch this church. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, you said we're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. I pray against the spirit of worldliness that tries to creep into the church. Lord, we know pure religion and undefiled is staying unspotted from this world. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, pray right now, Lord. We repent before you. Come on, somebody needs to say, Lord, forgive me. I've been messing with this world. I've been entertained by this world. I've been listening to the things of this world and wondering why I'm discouraged or depressed. Lord, help me to focus my mind upon you. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, we're getting out of here. Come on, the trumpet's about to sound. Come on, friendship with this world is enmity with God. Oh, come on, church. It's not, it's, it's not, uh, it may not be popular to preach against worldliness, but it's necessary. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I think it'd be all right. (laughs) Listen, I want to say something to you. You'd have a conniption fit. You'd freak out. You'd probably vote me out in a week. (laughs) We had the usher stand at the door and say, drop your phone in the offering bag when you come in church tonight. We're going to go through your phone during the service. We're going to find out what you really love. <laughs> Let me give an example of this worldly system. You ever heard of Snapchat? No? Brother Donnelly, bless your heart. You just stay pure as a driven snow. Don't mess with Snapchat. Don't go investigate. You know what Snapchat is? No? Lynn, you don't know either? That doesn't surprise me, but... Anybody know what Snapchat is? Yeah, you know what Snapchat is? Snapchat, you can I believe you can text or send a picture, right? And in six seconds, five or six seconds, it deletes it off your phone. Or how long is it? Anybody know? Huh? Up to ten seconds. And then it deletes off your phone and off the phone you sent it to, right? Did you hear me? Yeah, your kids can send something to somebody and in 10 seconds it's wiped out of the memory. That means you can't find it. Now why would a parent want their kid to have Snapchat? You know what that simply means? I can do something and in 10 seconds you won't know what I did. How dumb is that? There's some games your kids are playing that you need to sit there and watch them play. There's some of you young adults in here that need to go home and go through your CD or your iPhone, your phone, the music on your phone. Some of that stuff is ungodly. I know, I say get your CD. What is a CD? I was youth president and Brother Kidder was pastoring in Chicago. and We had just had youth convention and we were about two weeks out of youth convention and Ray Kidder calls me and said, Calvin. He said uh, we had a guy preaching on at youth convention and he got to preaching about music and all of a sudden CDs started flying through the air. People started coming up to the altar and throwing CDs on the altar. They were piled up like cordwood. I don't know who brings CDs to church. I mean somebody had to get the word out. Bring your CDs tonight. There was Elvis. They were coming to the altar, Sister Shirley, throwing Elvis on the altar. This evangelist bagged them all. It took two trash bags to get all those rock CDs. He put them in my van and we went to eat. Ray Kidder called me two weeks later and said, Calvin, he said, I got a young boy that's his parents have gone through his music collection and they've found a bunch of bad CDs, rap and rock music. It's, they're kind of worried about him. And I said, "Oh, really? He said, yeah, and the only reason I'm calling you is because, do you remember that service at youth convention where everybody's throwing their rock CDs on the platform? I said, yeah. He said, well, this boy was over on the side of the platform. Confiscating CDs. (laughs) I don't want that one. (laughs) I said, well, that's beautiful. While kids are down there crying and consecrating, there's one little hellion right there in front of God and everybody at the altar confiscating all this sacrifice to the Lord well it's not CDs anymore but you know what I hope the next time you're listening to I don't even know any rap stars anymore but the next time they're dropping F-bombs and telling you what to do to women and authorities and the police I hope next time it goes in your ear it turns your stomach sick I hope you say to yourself is this the stuff I want to listen to Anybody hearing what I'm talking about right now? I'm talking about a worldly system that's going down. (laughs) I'm glad I'm in the church. (laughs) And this is not popular preaching. In fact, there are churches that get real nervous when you start talking about worldliness. But I I don't know about you, but I don't want false religion. I want to be a true worshiper. (laughs) And I want to be a part of something real. And Jesus said, the word says it, pure religion and undefiled is to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Cleanse us, Lord. Make our garments white with the blood of the Lamb. Would you lift your hands and ask the Lord create creating you a clean heart creating you a right spirit right now would you just ask him to get you ready for that trumpet that's about to sound prepare our hearts Lord prepare us God, touch this church strengthen us let us be aware of the times in which we're living God And you know what? There are times, saints of God, we need to help each other. There are times we need to say to somebody, Come on, you can make it. Somebody falls, we can reach down and say, Come on, get up. You can run again. (laughs) Come on, it's not too late. (laughs) Come on, I said, It's not too late. (laughs) So let's. Let's leave here understanding that there's a power behind this world. There's rulers of darkness in this world. And I don't want to touch anything that's worldly. Because when I do, there's a power behind it. I want the power of God operating in my life. Somebody say amen. Aren't you glad you were at church tonight?